0: Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, And would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad.
1: Please keep your Bibles open. Please join me in prayer. Loving Father, we thank you so much for your Word, the Bible. Thank you for 2 Corinthians, which is just full of gold, and we're thankful for it and the encouragement that it is. And right now, Lord, um, we pray that you'll speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Help us not to be distracted by other things, but to focus on your Word and its goodness and richness uh, for your sake and for one another's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At um, the end of the sermon, I'm going to do something different, have a bit of a question time. I'm actually going to ask you a couple of questions and have a bit of discussion together, and then kind of we'll have a bit of a chat about the sermon. So, the sermon's shorter than normal, you might be pleased to know. Um, and then, if you've got any questions, um, I'd love to hear them at the end, and we can have a bit of a conversation. Um, as many of you know, I play comp tennis. On Tuesday nights, maybe you don't know that I play in Campbelltown. It's semi-serious. You know, we try to win, but most people don't care if they lose. There's a couple of people who do. Um, mostly, it's just good fun. I'm getting a bit older now. I'm 43. I'm not 73, but I'm not 23 uh, either. A few years ago, I kind of injured my kind of my groin, sort of thigh, and um, thanks to COVID, it got better. Of course, I wasn't really doing much at all. I was in lockdown, and so it healed. And then a few weeks ago, as it's getting colder, And I played a couple of sets and then I had a rest for half an hour because that's what you do. And then I went back on the court and I re-injured it again because I was freezing cold and overstretched it. And I'd done warm-ups before at home and everything because I'm older and I need to do that, but I hurt it again. And it wasn't until this week, studying this passage, that I was actually really thankful for my injury. I was thankful for it. I was thankful because my injury reminds me that I'm slowly dying. And that's good. That's a good thing. The Bible says, look again at verse 16, inwardly, oh, sorry, I've got an illustration I need to tell you. I forgot. We are slowly dying like a fresh cut bunch of flowers. You cut a bunch of flowers, you put it in a vase, it looks beautiful, it smells beautiful. It's destined for death, right? Because you chopped it off from the ground. So it looks nice on the outside, but it is actually dying. And we all too are slowly dying. Isn't that morbid? Um, but that's a great thing, and we're going to get to why. Okay, Bible. Verse 16 says, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. John always, he's a good choice, you know, all over it as always. We're being renewed day by day. We sang that. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. I've never been struck by this passage as much as I was this week. It was great to sing that. Even though we're all wasting away like a fresh cut bunch of flowers, inwardly we're being renewed. We're getting better day by day. As Christians, our physical deterioration actually serves as a reminder that God is preparing us for something so much better. John Calvin himself said we need to decay in order to be reminded of heaven. If we never died, we wouldn't even think about God. We wouldn't give God a second thought. God's preparing for us an eternal glory that we can scarcely imagine. Our English translations, if you've got the NIV, it says something like an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. If you've got the ESV, it says beyond all comparison. Now, as I was studying the original language, it was originally written in ancient Greek, the Bible, the New Testament, uh, this week, I saw a little of the poetry that's been lost in this passage. Now, I I really don't want to talk about normally. I don't want to talk about the original languages because I don't want you to think that this this translation is lesser than. It's not. It's a fantastic translation. But whenever you translate anything from one language to another, you lose something of the poetry, something of the humour. You don't lose the meaning, but sometimes it's very hard to translate the poetry across into another language and if you talk to someone who speaks another language fluently they'll tell you that that there's sometimes particularly humor nuance in a language that you just you 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 know how it is in German you want to say it in English there's just there's just not the words there for you so I found this this week so I'm going to break a rule and I'm going to show you a little bit of Greek on the screen uh, this week and it didn't come out in the I didn't come out, because when we put it on your computer, we didn't choose the right font. Anyway, um, my bad. So those first two words, which are in Helena, they should be, anyway. Hooper S. Hooper Bolan means exceedingly exceeding. Those two words there mean exceedingly exceeding. So what uh, we've got in our translation as beyond all comparison, it means exceeding quality beyond excess. And if that was the translation, that would sound ridiculous, wouldn't it? Exceeding quality beyond excess. But that's the idea uh, that we've got there in chapter 4. Though our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that is is, is exceedingly beyond excess. This eternal glory is extraordinary. It's incredible, particularly in comparison to our light and momentary troubles. Troubles. The wonderful joy of our afflictions and our physical decay is that we are being prepared for this eternal glory. Our momentary afflictions and trials in this life are but a drop of water in the ocean of eternal glory that is to come. And now, this is Paul who's saying this, and Paul had some serious afflictions. He was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was flogged, he was imprisoned, and yet he calls his afflictions momentary. For him to call his afflictions light and momentary emphasizes the magnificence of the glory to come. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. This body is temporary, but what is unseen, what God's doing inside, is eternal. The glory to come is so magnificent and this life so fleeting and small in comparison that our focus ought to be on the glory to come. That's kind of our focus. Not this light, small, short, momentary decay, but this eternal glory to come. At the end of the year, the Orams are going to New Zealand uh, for a month's holiday. It's our one big trip that we're going to do while the kids are kind of this sweet spot of age, you know, where they, they can miss a bit of school, and be okay. Now imagine, imagine we've been on the trip and we've come back to church and you come up to us at morning tea and you say, how was the trip? And we say, well, we got to the airport and then we checked in our luggage and that was all fine. Then we got it the, through the gate and we got ourselves a coffee and we went to the shop and we looked at some duty-free stuff and the kids bought a couple of magazines and then we sat and drank the coffee and read the magazines and it was absolutely fantastic. It was great. And you go, what? What about the trip? What about New Zealand? And then we say something extraordinary, which is well, the, 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 the airport lounge was so nice, the coffee's so good, we didn't go. We just decided to stay there because, you know, it's good coffee and the lounges were comfortable so we just kind of slept on the lounges for a month and enjoyed the airport and then we came home again. Wouldn't that be insane? Wouldn't that be crazy if we did that? If we so focused on the airport lounge and so enjoyed that we didn't even want to go on the trip to New Zealand? As followers of Jesus, we have... And all expenses paid trip to glory. Eternal glory, paid for by the blood of Christ. And we've got this short moment, the short window now where we're here in this world, just for a bit 80, 90 years, if you're lucky, maybe less. But then we're off to glory. How good is that? God is teaching us today that our focus ought to be on heaven. And the eternal glory that is to come. We ought to live our lives now with a perspective and in in light of the eternal glory that is to come. If you're in the airport lounge, you might have the coffee, blah, blah, blah. You're kind of watching the clock and you're watching the board and you can't wait to get on the plane and go to the place, to the glory. (laughs) I hope it's glorious. Um, This world is Temporary. And because we have this life to come, this eternal glory, we, we do not lose heart, even in the face of trials and even with our bodily decay. This world will disappear and we will die. But the glory to come is eternal. And in fact, as Christians, we know that God has prepared a place for us. We know for a fact we have an eternal dwelling where moths and rust cannot destroy, where pain and sickness and sadness do not exist, where the internal struggle with sin is gone, is finished, is ended. But we have to wait for it, which makes us sad. And so we groan. Look at chapter 5. For we know that if the early, earthly tent we live in, our body is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands, built by God. Meanwhile, now, we groan. Longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we're clothed, we won't be found naked. We're not scared of death. A palliative care nurse who I was friends with uh, at Summer Hill Church, she was lovely. She said, "Christians aren't afraid of death. Everyone's afraid of dying. it's awful. But Christians aren't afraid of death. We know where we're going. We know what's on the other side. We don't go looking for death, but we don't fear it, because we know that even if we die, God has prepared an eternal place for us, an eternal dwelling. Now, Paul shifts the metaphor from buildings to clothes. He goes so far as to say, although we don't long for death, we do long for our eternal dwelling. We long for heaven. We can't wait to get there. This life is hard. We struggle with poor health, sore bodies, decaying bodies, strained relationships, broken relationships, perhaps. We struggle with the consequences of sin in this world. But, friends, we have Jesus. Verse 4, while we're in this tent, we groan, we're burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, to be clothed, instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. God has purposed us to groan. He's purposed us to be burdened so that we might look beyond this life, beyond this mortal existence to a far greater glory. And Paul says we desire to like put on an overcoat over this existence, this far a, overcoat of God's glory. He talks about the clothing going over the top of our current clothing. Right now, it's like we're unclothed; We're exposed to the effects of sin. But In the life to come, our decaying mortality will be swallowed up by life, swallowed up by blessing. And all this is guaranteed by the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have a guarantee, the Spirit. What's it going to be like? Heaven, I mean. What will it be like? Last night, Anthony Albanese, Albo, was sworn in. We've gone from Skate Mode to Albo. Sworn in as our 31st Prime Minister. I didn't vote for him, but I did pray for him at 12.30am this morning when the coverage ended. Yes, I watched all of it. I'm one of those people. He said in what was a truly inspiring speech that he hoped to win my vote in four years' time and the vote of the other 12 million-odd Aussies who didn't vote for him in the next four years. And if he can pull off what he promised, he might just win my vote in four years' time. It was a great speech that he gave, an inspiring, inspired speech. He talked about bringing Australians together. He talked about we need to unite together and work together. He said that a lot. That was his big thing. That was the big thing of the campaign was... Bringing Australians together. I hope he can achieve that just a little bit. If he could do that just a little bit, that would be amazing. He wants to see the deep historic wounds made to our beloved Aboriginal brethren healed. Now, that's that's hard. Those wounds are old and deep, but I hope he makes some progress. I genuinely do. His speech was incredibly idealistic in what he wants to achieve but I hope he makes some progress. I do, for the sake of our country. And I prayed he would make just some positive good over the next four years, which is all he can hope to achieve, and it's more than we ought to expect. We ought not expect our political leaders to save us. Tomorrow, he's on a a plane to deal. He's on a plane to meet with India and the US and... And Japan to talk about all sorts of issues, talk about climate change, to talk about interdependency, to talk about the economy, but also talk about China, who's gnashing their teeth at everybody around them, and who's got their arm draped around Russia at the moment. There's a there's a, a real political threat, and Albanese is on his pl- on a plane tomorrow to talk about that as well. When he gets back, supposedly. He says he will solve the unthinkable, heartbreaking reality that every week a woman is murdered in our country by someone she loves. He says he's going to afford proper care to the half a million people with disabilities on the National Disability Insurance Scheme, which is great. But he didn't mention the 3.9 million Aussies who have disabilities that aren't in the NDIS scheme yet. Friends, (laughs) he's got an impossible job Any prime minister does. An impossible job. What he wants to achieve is just impossible. So I ask you again, what's it going to be like? Heaven, I mean. Well, for starters, none of those issues will exist. Anthony Albanese will be out of a job if Jesus came back tomorrow. And that's great. Of these issues he's got to deal with are just impossible. They're massive. And they're all a result of sin. What's heaven going to be like? No hate, no war, no domestic violence, no, no even animosity between you and anyone. Can you imagine that? No animosity between you and anyone. No longer will people with disabilities wrestle with their disability. We had a dear friend, at north Beach named Maddie, who had cerebral palsy confound. Find your wheelchair, very bright, slurred speech, so people didn't think she was very bright, but she was. She hated being stuck in that wheelchair. She longed for the life to come. No racism. Genuine, unconditional love. Can you imagine it? For everyone. Can you imagine looking at a person, a stranger, and just not seeing their skin colour or their accent or their height or their weight or their looks or their disability, but just seeing a person made in God's image, loved by God. That's all you can see. That's all God can see. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine spending just one day of your life with no aches or pain or worries or concerns or tiredness or anxiety or fear or anger or frustration, or sin. No more wrestling with sin. One day. What about a thousand years? Praise God. That's heaven. What will we do there? I don't really care. It sounds amazing already, whatever we're doing. The Bible talks about feasting a lot, doesn't it? It talks about eating. I'm excited about that. I assume you don't have the weight gain. Yes, but also you don't have the gluttony either. The Bible talks about, about worshipping the Lamb together. I'm up for that. That sounds great. Gather around the throne worshipping Jesus. Awesome. Prime Minister Albanese cannot deliver what Jesus can deliver. Scott Morrison couldn't either. No human being can. Jesus can. For well, he's not just a human being. He's also God. How good that though we struggle now let's do away with that, Dan. How good that though we struggle now, we have the promised Holy Spirit in our hearts guaranteeing what is to come. We have aches and pains and strains and anxious brains. Constantly reminding us of what is to come. That's why we have aches and pains and strains and anxious brains. It reminds us of the eternal glory to come. We have the joy of slowly dying to remind us of the glory that is to come. Now look at verse 6. Therefore we're always confident... We're always confident... And know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We long to be with Jesus in glory, with our overcoat of eternal glory that swallowed up our decaying bodies in eternity. But we're not there yet, so for now we live by faith, trust, belief that what Jesus has promised will come to pass. Paul goes so far as to say in verse 8, We'd prefer to be away from the body. We'd prefer to be dead and at home with the Lord. He cannot wait. Paul can't wait to leave the stinky crowded airport lounge for his amazing journey into eternal glory. But while he waits, he sees how many other people he can convince to get on the same plane. Verse 9. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Because we live by faith and not by sight, we live for God. We see the bigger picture. We know that God is Lord over all. We know that Jesus will return in judgment. We know that all people will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We know this as Christians. And we'll be judged by what we have done, whether good or bad. Does that mean that if you have been good, you go to heaven? If you have been bad, you don't? Well, no. What it means is those going to heaven are the ones who do good. Ephesians 2.10, God has prepared for us in advance good works to do. You can tell someone's going to heaven by the good they do. You can tell someone's not because they don't do good for Jesus' sake. Are you living for Jesus? Are you doing the good he wants you to do? Well, then clearly you're living for him. But are you living for yourself? Not doing the good he wants you to do? Well, that's, that's the bad. And if we're living for ourselves, not living for Jesus, just give up on the mic. Yep. If we're living for ourselves, not living for Jesus, well, then we ought to have a healthy fear of the judgment seat of Christ. Let's just turn it off, okay? Turn the mic off.